Hello and welcome to the Deep Overstock Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Eversman, and this is the final episode in the special series celebrating issue 18, Old Favorites. Well, after fleeing the bridges and dams from the bees, 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 for the love of God, bees, and making our final purchases in the orange room, we're going around the outside and coming back to the Burnside exit, the green room, for issue 9, New Arrivals and 18 old favorites. We will also take a sneak preview of issue 19, Hacking. Tonight, we will hear work by Alan Brickman. Now, here's In the Attic by Alan Brickman. In the Attic. Whenever Steve visited his brother Benny in Chicago, Benny's wife Cheryl, who never liked Steve, made him sleep in the attic. They had an extra bedroom, but that belonged to their daughter Barbara, who was away at college, and insisted that while she was gone, no one be let into her room, let alone sleep there. So, Steve was banished to the attic like some painful memory that Benny and Cheryl wanted to avoid by keeping it out of sight. When Steve was first offered offered the mattress on the attic floor, he complained, What am I, like Anne Frank or something? In that case, make sure the Gestapo don't know I'm here. What the hell is wrong with you, Cheryl roared. That's really offensive. She turned to Benny, who was stifling a laugh, and said, Tell your asshole brother to shape up or he can go find a hotel room. She stormed off to their bedroom and slammed the door. The next year, Steve visited in winter during a cold snap and was off to the attic again. He was glad that it was nice and toasty up there, but when he saw rats skitter across the floor in the corner, he went downstairs and slept on the couch. When Cheryl found him there in the morning, huddled under the blanket he dragged down from the attic, She went back into the bedroom and yelled at Benny. Steve couldn't make out what she was saying, but he could guess. Now, several years and as many visits later, Steve was resigned to his banishment and did his best not to antagonize or upset Cheryl, even though he knew he was always one misstep away from reigniting her disdain and that any any real reconciliation was a long shot. They had a delicious dinner of Cheryl's chicken parmesan and finished two bottles of red wine that Steve had purchased earlier that day. They played Scrabble after dinner, and because Cheryl won a game when she put Squawker on a triple word and scored over 100 points, she was in such a good mood that she even hugged Steve before he headed upstairs. He opened the attic door, ducked to avoid the low ceiling as he always did, and walked towards the mattress. He was startled to see the figure of a man sitting at the old desk that Benny and Cheryl kept up here. Who are you? What are you doing here? He blurted out. The man turned, and Steve saw it was his grandfather, who died many years ago right after he had just turned 87. Only this was not the octogenarian version of his grandfather, but a much younger man, no more than 40. He was wearing a red and green Hawaiian shirt and was smoking a cigar. Stevie, the man said, it's me, Grandpa Joe. I live here now. I should be asking you what you're doing here. This is my room, after all, he smiled. Grandpa, Steve said, trying to make, take this in and make sense of it. You live here? I was under the impression that you didn't live anywhere because you died in what, like 1995? How long have you lived here? When did you move in? I've lived up here ever since Benny and Cheryl moved to Chicago and bought the house. They picked this house because of the attic space, which was for me. His smile grew bigger. And I must say that I'm surprised by your petulant attitude about these delightful accommodations. You're surprised. I'm the one who should be saying that. This is totally... Wait, Benny and Cheryl know you're here? And they made me sleep in the attic and didn't tell me? This is insane. You'll have to ask them about that, said Grandpa. Now go to sleep. 
Steve slept fitfully and dreamed that a group of his relatives, all deceased, were chasing him like zombies, their rotting flesh dripping off them. The next morning, his grandfather was gone, and he hurried downstairs, anxious to talk to his brother and sister-in-law. Benny said, I know we drank a lot of wine last night, but Grandpa living in the attic? I think you're losing it. Cheryl asked, Are you okay, Steve? With an uncharacteristic degree of genuine concern. I'm fine, I guess, but... Benny said, You know that Grandpa died more than 20 years ago, right? After the funeral, Mom gave us a box of his stuff, including photos of him and Grandma, and we kept that in the attic. The old photos are great. Their vacation in Puerto Rico, Grandpa with his co-workers at that furniture manufacturing company, graduation pictures from high school, college, and business school. There's a great photo of Grandpa holding you as a newborn, the first grandchild, and he was beaming. We should bring them down and go through them. Not right now, said Steve, maybe later. That evening, they went to the movies and saw Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer and laughed all the way home in the car recounting the funniest scenes. They had a nightcap sitting around the dining room table, and when Steve rose to go to the attic, Benny said, Say hello to Grandpa. Steve scowled. When he got to the top of the stairs, Steve hesitated before opening the attic door. He took a deep breath and went in. There was Grandpa, standing in front of the desk, wearing a cap and gown and looking no more than 25. Steve thought he appeared quite dashing with his movie star good looks and a full head of hair. Steve had only known him as bald. Aren't you going to congratulate me, said Grandpa? First college graduate in the family. Congratulations, I guess. By the way, you lied to me about Benny and Cheryl knowing you were up here. Grandpa shrugged and smiled. Steve said, can I ask you a question? Sure, said Grandpa as he took off his mortarboard and sat in the chair by the desk. What the hell is going on? Are you alive? Are you dead? Are you a ghost? Let me share my little secret with you. See that box over there? He pointed to the plastic storage bin in the corner. My whole life is in there. Pictures of it anyway. Whenever I feel like it, I select one and bring it to life. I stay up here in the attic because it's nice and cozy, and I can reminisce for a bit, even if it's just me, myself, and I. And Cheryl, dear old Cheryl, that delicate flower, she'll have a stroke if I showed up downstairs. He smiled. I understand you and your sister-in-law don't get on that well. It's getting better, said Steve. Anyway, once I know you'd be sleeping up here on a regular basis, because you finally accepted that it wasn't so terrible, I decided to show myself because, one, I thought you'd appreciate it, and two, I would have somebody to talk to. I mean, here we are talking now, and it's great. Now, if only I could get you to come here more than once a year. This is a lot to take in, don't you think, said Steve, but I do appreciate it. I was away in college when you died, said Grandpa. You can say it. I don't mind. When you died... It was during finals and I couldn't get away for the funeral, which I felt terrible about. Don't worry about it, said Grandpa. Some people came, some didn't. That's the way funerals are. And you know what? The guest of honor doesn't realize it and doesn't give a shit. Because they're dead. He threw his head back and laughed. So, said Steve, each night you come alive as a different one of the photos in the box and just sit here and think about the old days? And now I can talk to you about them. You were always my favorite grandson anyway. Benny's a little dim and he married that shrew Cheryl. And don't get me started on Barbara, the spoiled brat. Although I can thank her for one thing. Because her bedroom has been declared the Sanctum Sanctorum, you have to sleep up here with me. Steve knew none of this made any sense, but he was pleased to be told that he was the favorite and charmed by his grandfather's attitude. He stood, walked towards the desk, and offered to shake hands. When Grandpa put out his hand, Steve's passed through it as if it were smoke. Grandpa laughed. I'm only spectral, Steve, an apparition. 
Sorry about that. Steve stepped back and sat on a stack of boxes against the wall and rubbed his eyes. Okay, then. Tell me some stories. Tell me about college, now that you've graduated and all. Lots of unchaperoned co-eds, Stevie. That was the best part. The very best part. And the two of them talked well into the morning. All right, babies and interns. Let's see what our old favorites are up to. Follow us toward the Burnside exit for issue 18, Old Favorites. Now, Old Favorites was our special issue from the Green Room, which combined the last 17 issues of Deep Overstock. Now we are ready for our next journey through the D.O. Rainbow and invite you to come along with us. Our first stop is in the Pearl Room, where this time our theme is hacking. Hacking at Powell's is a subgenre in the Pearl's computer section, so your stories may very well be computer-based or cyberpunk, but we will also accept pieces about loggers, lumberjacks, and axe murderers. But to get you into the theme of cyberpunk, if you so choose to jack into that world, we'd like to point you to a sister podcast of ours, Genre. I, along with Zach and John, co-host the podcast. We have already discussed four cyberpunk novels and invite you to check out our discussion on Cyberpunk by Bruce Bethke, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick, and Neuromancer by William Gibson. I see how that made it into the film, but overall, I, there's very little resemblance. Even some of the most obvious things like Blade Runners, like they don't really talk about Blade Runners in this book. There's Bounty Hunters. So, John, I liked what you said there about our protagonist, Rick Deckard, and Rachel Rosen, the robot slash what I didn't consider a femme fatale, but you seem to be implying that she operates as a kind of femme fatale uh, character. You kind of you kind of framed their relationship as kind of like being influenced by film noir or just detective stories in general. Find Genre on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcast. It's the logo with the cute little bat, magnifying glass, and revolver. See you there! This concludes Episode 9, Green Room, New Arrivals, and Old Favorites. And this is the ninth episode in a special series celebrating the release of Deep Overstock, Issue 18, Old Favorites. You've been listening to the Deep Overstock Podcast. Don't forget to submit for our next theme, Pearl Room Hacking, before November 30th. Visit deepoverstock.com slash submissions for specific guidelines 